I'm not going to lie. I, I miss you guys when I'm not here. I do. I miss being on this show. I miss doing this show, and I thank you for being here on this beautiful Tuesday. Remember, it's Tuesday. A lot of us think, oh, it's Monday. Oh, what the hell? Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Next thing you know, you know what's going to happen. You're going to hear that all day, all week. Well, I don't know. Is it Friday already? Stop it, Stosh. Here's the deal. It is Tuesday, and I hope you had a great 4th of July. I hope you can still count to 10 using your fingers. I hope you didn't get too drunk and blow off your hands like a guy that lives right down the block did. He blew off one of his fingers because, well, he's smarter than everybody. He's always been smarter than everybody. He's a friend of mine, and I always said you're smarter than everybody until you're not smarter than anybody I think somebody here in Indy set their house on fire not once, but twice. That's right. So I hope you had a great 4th of July. i tell you this, man. 4th of July, people are into the fireworks. Here in Indiana, you can get fireworks on every corner, but here's what the pros do. So today or tomorrow, I will go down on my way home and I will buy fireworks because they're like 90% off. I'll keep them in here, and I'll use them next year. Now, I don't buy anything crazy, but I do like M80s exploding under the water. You're really not supposed to do that, but I ain't mad about it, and don't at me about it. That's right. All right, we got a lot to get to. We had a big weekend. Coach Jason Brown is going to join us. JB, you know him from Netflix. We're going to get into what he thinks is going on in this country relative to what we saw yesterday in Highland Park. You know, as soon as something like Highland Park happens, boom, man, everybody blames this, the guns, everybody blames mental health. Look, I'm at the point where I'll, whatever you want to do, I'm in. Let's put it that way. Uh, my biggest concern was I have friends that live in that area. My friend Bart Fox uh, lives in Highland Park. His niece was at the parade and thank God she was okay. But, you know, there was terror in that neighborhood or at least in that town because the gunman was at large. And so I called Bart, hey man, how we doing? Well, I'm doing all right, but you know, my dad's here where the suspect is still at large and we live two blocks away from where the parade was. So scary situation. My thoughts are always with families, man. You come out to a damn parade, a parade. Like, I don't care whether it's in a city. I don't care whether it's in Highland Park. I don't care whether it's on a boat. I don't care what. I don't care if it is a fourth parade, uh, a Christmas parade, a pride parade. I don't care what the parade is. You're there to enjoy yourself. I may complain about, well, why you got to be naked at a parade. But the truth of the matter is the people that line the streets enjoy themselves. They just do. They're there to enjoy themselves. And next thing you know, your lives are totally changed. And in a lot of cases, and I mean a lot of cases, not just the six that were killed, which is so horrible, uh, their families, everybody's lives are destroyed by some idiot that decides I'm going to go on a shooting rampage because I'm nuts. I mean, and because I can. Look, I don't have the answer. I, I don't. If people say gun control, make guns more difficult, fine. If that's what you want to do, fine. If, if you want to, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know how you stop a crazy person from doing crazy things. Hell, I go back to the 60s, and we had a guy supposedly in a book repository shooting the president of the United States right in the head in the middle of a parade. I, I don't know. I don't, have, I don't have answers. I don't. But I do know this. We need fathers, and we need God. In our, fathers in our homes 
and God in our country. And until we get that, that's going to be a part of the problem. Notice I didn't say the whole problem. I said that is going to be a part of the problem. And people can argue with me all you'd like, and that's great. Arguing with me either way or agreeing doesn't do any good. But we take God out. We take fathers. Fathers decide they're not going to be parents. Fathers decide, now maybe that wouldn't have stopped that, but I'm just saying in general. And if guns are the problem, do whatever you got to do, man. I've had enough. I really have. Uh, I don't walk around scared because I did it too much as a kid living in Gary, Indiana. But I, uh, I've had enough. All right, Brittany Griner, speaking of had enough, Brittany Griner. Now, I started this by saying, you know, Brittany Griner you know, kind of got what she deserved at the time when you get incarcerated, when you're dumb enough to bring an illegal thing, particularly to an airport, particularly when the United States just gave billions to the enemy of the country that you are in, that country being Russia, then, you know, you get arrested. But my God, we're sitting here in the middle of January and she's been in jail five months now. And she writes a letter to Joe Biden. As I sit here in a Russian jail alone with my thoughts without the protection of my wife, family, friends, Olympic jurors, or any accomplishment, I'm terrified. I might be here forever. Well, she might be. She might be. And this letter is to Joe Biden. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. And I don't know whether or not this is true. And I know there are always examples of others, but I know this, uh, Donald Trump got those two, three UCLA players, including the ball kid out of jail pretty quick in China for trespassing. And Brittany Griner, you know, on the 4th of July, our family normal honors the service of those who fought for our freedom, including my father, who's a Vietnam veteran. You know, it always is interesting. And the cynic would look at it this way. The cynic would look at now you want to go back to how you honor the country when you were so disrespectful of the country while you were here. Well, that's fine. I get it. But that's her right as an American citizen to be disrespectful of her country, at least verbally, while she was here. And of course, we all get lessons on how important it is that we have our freedom and how great it is that we live in a country that provides that freedom. So Brittany Griner goes through the typical coach or a player stuff, jerseys and all this, but makes an appeal to Joe Biden. She makes an appeal to Joe Biden basically saying, hey, look, I voted for you. Do something, please. And I don't blame her because I guarantee you Brittany Griner is saying what I'm saying. Hey, look, the previous president got these guys out got these high-profile basketball players at UCLA out. Now, I'm not saying it's right, and I understand the world that we live in. People will parse this and say, oh, I'm shaking at your ignorance or something incredibly stupid like that, but I'm only giving you facts. The previous president got basketball players at UCLA out. I guarantee you when, you re- when I read this letter, she talks about Olympic jersey. Very, very, this is what I have the protection of. You know, I voted for you. And what she's saying is, look, the previous president got these guys out. What are you doing? Help me out here. She is. You know, it, 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 and it's sad to read that letter. It is because I've said this all along. Yes, you're being, if in fact she did what they say she did, which is bring an illegal substance to an airport in Russia, again, a place that apparently enforces its laws, a place that 
can't be happy with the United States because just as Griner was doing it, uh, $14 billion came from the United States to the country that they are currently involved in war with, the Ukraine. You know, timing was horrible here if, in fact, she did what it is that she said she's doing. So now she sits in a prison cell, in her words, terrified. And I don't blame her. I really don't. It's time to get her out. I've said this before. Yes, I said initially that, hey, look, can't be the arrogant American. But now we're talking about five months. And now we're talking about a trial. Listen to this. Did you know that only 1% of trials in Russia end in an acquittal? Did you know that the acquittal can be appealed by the government? Now, Brittany Griner's trial was to have started on Monday, but a couple witnesses didn't show. I think that's good for Griner. I don't know. But I've always said this, and I've said this, I've said this, and I've said this. When those doors close to a jail cell, I've never been incarcerated, but I got to believe you sit there and you wonder, at least in the back of your mind, am I literally ever getting out of here? Ever. Ever. Like, I don't know. But that's what I read in Brittany Griner's statement. I'm terrified I may never get out of here. Joe Biden, I voted for you. Help me. Uh, there are those that say voting has consequences. Now, a lot of politicians are starting to get involved. Greg Stanton of Arizona. Now, the day goes by, we are thinking about Brittany, Brittany and working to get her home. We'll continue to push for her release and make sure that she is not forgotten. I, but you know what? It doesn't really do um, doesn't really do any good. This, this has to come from some negotiation. I realize you are dealing with so much, but please don't forget about me and other American detainees. Please do all you can to bring us home. I voted for the first time in 2020, and I voted for you. I believe in you. I still have so much good uh, to do with my freedom that you can help restore. I miss my wife. I miss my family. I miss my teammates. It kills me to know they are suffering so much right now. I'm grateful for whatever you can do at this moment to get me home. Now, some of you, one of the most amazing things is people say, well, you got what you deserve. She didn't get what she deserves. I mean, if in fact she did what they say and she's doing, she deserves to get the hell out of there. I mean, it's been long enough. You want a lesson, there's your lesson. It's the modern Midnight Express. It is. Watch Midnight Express. Every parent should have their kid, particularly a smart aleck kid, watch Midnight Express. And then maybe you won't do those things. But when you are doing those things, we've got to get some strong leadership and get this woman home. I'm sure there are other detainees. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not sitting here knowing every other detainee. But I know this one. And come on. At some point, you got to have a little empathy. Even you people that hate the most, you got to have a little empathy for somebody that's been in, in jail, in a Russian jail, five months for allegedly bringing, what, cannabis oil? Come on. Come on, Biden. Time for Joe Biden to do something, anything, anything for the good of anybody around here. It really is. It's time. I mean, you could go a long way towards people saying, well, at least Joe Biden can get something done by getting Brittany Griner home. Now, parse it all you want. Take out the little segments and rip me all you'd like. I don't care. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, July 4th belongs to this guy, Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut is the man on July 4th. He's an American hero. As, as the uh, caption there says, Joey Chestnut cannot be stopped. Do we got a little video of Joey Chestnut? Do we got video of Chestnut? Not only does Chestnut eat 60-plus hot dogs, but he whoops up on, see this little punk, 
Joy Chestnut takes him down and it keeps eating. I can't see this enough. Some little millennial punk tries to mess with Joey Chestnut. See, we need more of this. We need more. Boom, right there. Strangle him, throw his ass down, and keep eating. Keep doing your job. People think it's their birthright to disrupt anymore. People think it's their birthright. Oh, I'm going to protest, man. Yeah, shut up. Protest this. Yeah, I'm mad about something, man. It's become a thing to just, you know, I'm going to chain myself to the court. You know what? God bless Joey Chestnut. It's like when Rick Monday back in the 70s, a couple hippies were trying to burn an American flag. Like Chestnut right here. Just taking the guy down. He goes right back to the food. That's an American hero. That's not LeBron James. I got to get carted off with a cramp. Chestnut came in on crutches. Came in on crutches. And guess what he did? Expose Mirthfield Death Star. Yeah, expose it all. Yeah. So some guy comes in with his little helmet, some little, I don't know if he's an Antifa guy, but he looked like him, a little white dude with a little helmet on causing trouble, and Chestnut just whoops his ass. Just takes him down. You know what? Should be just pounding on him. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I said it, and I meant it. Good for Chestnut. Yeah. Uh, the most woke commissioner in the world is Adam Silver. And Adam Silver is the best commissioner in the country. We've never had a commissioner like Silver, man. Yeah. We've never had one. He's the best. He sucks. I mean, let's be honest. Adam Silver, I got two words for you. My ass. My ass. Adam Silver's the best because every little lefty woke media guy realized that Adam Silver caters to all the little wokeness. So Kevin Durant, who tells us all he's really good, Kevin Durant says, well, you know, let's show the Twitter, uh, the tweet from Durant that he can only play with two all-stars. Guys in the NBA make $50 million and they get to make demands. Okay, KB, make your demands, baby. I'm only going to play with two all-stars. Supposedly, that's his demands. You know that's Durant's demands. I'm only going to play with two all-stars. I'm only going to play on courts that have soft wood. I want to go back to play with Steph Curry because, well, frankly, I suck without him. Eh, he doesn't suck, but he's not, he not interesting anymore. He always sits in press conferences like this, acting like he's a badass. He no badass. You know, it's amazing the difference between Steph Curry press conference, Draymond Green press conference, and a Kevin Durant press conference. And it's amazing why two of the three win all the time. Why? Enthusiasm, baby. You got to be enthusiastic in this world. You got to have an energy to you. Kevin Durant sits back and boom. Here are some reactions. He sits back like he's some tough guy we're all supposed to say, well, isn't Kevin tough? Kevin Durant, my ass. I like Curry and I like Draymond Green. Vince Carter and Akeem Olajuwon played more games together. These are the reactions. 47, then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. How about that? Like, I never think, uh, here you go. These are the teams that Kevin Durant wants to play for. The greatest of all time. The greatest on the bottom, the Chicago Bears. 
like, you know, the 27 Yankees are legendary. Ruth and Gehrig, you know what I mean? Legendary teams. The Bulls of Jordan and Pippen and Rodman. Yeah, 70-some wins. Kevin Durant must play. Oh, the Montreal Canadiens. That's all you got to say. I mean, these are the greatest teams of all time. And KD, look at Barkley. He's right. Charles Barkley has been proven 100% correct, and his bus driver analogy turned out to be perfect. Kevin Durant just couldn't handle being the focal point of a franchise and drove the bus right off the cliff. I want you to think about it. We can play those again. We can play them in a rotation while I talk. Because I'm telling you, the reaction to Kevin Durant is like, man, just shut up. Like, there, I've always told you this. There are certain guys that you just constantly hear from some bad. Like, oh, it's the Steve Howe, the relief pitcher for the Dodgers back in the 80s. It's the Steve Howe theory. It's always the same guys, right? It's always the same dudes. Like, Kevin Durant is always be trying to find that place. Now, there's a rumor that Kevin Durant wants to go back to the Warriors. Good for him. Should have. Hell yeah. I mean, what are you going to do on your own? Your best friend Kyrie just screwed you. Kyrie Irving gave you a screwing like nobody's business. And anybody that doesn't think Kyrie Irving isn't all about Kyrie Irving, you're completely out of your mind. Kyrie Irving is wasting a lot of stuff here. And it equates to Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving is a freaking smart kid. Like, and a personable kid. An insecure kid, you can tell that. But a personable kid. So when you hit your wagon, like Kevin Durant did, to Kyrie Irving, now at this stage in his career, you're screwed. Yeah, when you first come in the league and you're trying to prove yourself, even though I think Kyrie Irving was driving like a Benz or something at Mark at, uh, uh, Duke, which is what I think Jay Williams told me or somebody that, that's there told me. But I got to use my face recognition. But anyway, so you hitch your wagon to Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Man, are you an idiot. First off, James Harden may be the nicest guy in America, and I already told you what I think about Kyrie Irving. But the truth of the matter is um, James Harden's impossible to play with. Like, you can't play with James Harden. And then it's all that's left is you and Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving screws you. You get the big screw job by Kyrie Irving. You do. You just get screwed. I mean, it's one of those days where you just get screwed. Boom. No ifs, no ands, or buts because Kyrie Irving don't want to play. Now Kevin Durant's looking for a home. Why doesn't Kevin Durant just stay in Brooklyn where everybody thinks they're cool because everybody wants to be like you New York, you know. Everybody in my world wants to be from Gary, Indiana. You know. Everybody wants to be from Gary, Indiana. I got little kids from Portage going, where are you from? Gary, Indiana. You know. <laughs> That's my white guy uh, trying to say he's from the neighborhood voice, I guess. I don't even know what that voice is, actually. But I like it. Gary, Indiana. You know. <laughs> I do voices. Uh, but anyway, so Durant now wants to go back. I guess he should go play with LeBron in L.A., or I guess he should go play with, uh, I don't know, if they'll take him back at Golden State. Hey, can we play? Can we show that Barkley thing? 
one more time. The whole bus driver is awesome. You don't want to be a bus driver. Now, I understand it's Charles Barkley kind of making it why he didn't win a championship because he was a bus driver and didn't have enough. Barkley's proven 100% correct. His bus driver analogy turned out to be perfect. Kevin Durant couldn't handle being the focal point of a franchise and drove the bus right off the cliff. Kevin Durant's never going to win by trying to be cool over trying to be real. Kevin Durant seems like a great guy. But when he sits in press conferences and acts like this, he's a guy that doesn't know who he is. Steph Curry knows exactly who he is. That's why he wins. Magic Johnson knew exactly. Isaiah, all these guys knew exactly. They didn't have to act anyway other than how they are. Klay Thompson, exactly who he is. Draymond Green, exactly who he is. Kevin Durant's a really good dude that's trying not to be, at least publicly. And it's really kind of funny. It's sad because I've seen these guys my whole life. But it is funny. Uh, Somebody explain this to me. Gary Sheffield Jr., who's one of my favorite follows on Twitter, put this out, and I did not believe this. How is it possible that baseball, baseball, a sport that is dying to get attention, a sport that is pleading for people to watch, changing its rules to get people to watch, on a day when there was literally no sports yesterday, I'm sorry, you had Wimbledon, which I love. In fact, I'm watching Djokovic right now in center. I should have bet center, even though he was down 4-zip. He's now come back and made it 5-4. But a sport that's dying for attention to the point where, you know what? I'm a left-handed batter. There's a shift. We can't have a shift. we got to move people over. They're putting shot clocks on pitches. They're dying for attention. On a day where there is no sports other than tennis, and hot dog eating. You don't put the freaking Yankees on television. You don't even have the Yankees playing. Now, I'm sure there's a good reason. There's always a backstory. And every time I say backstory, I go like this. I go around. There's always a backstory to these things. But come on. You're telling me that the New York effing Yankees, the best team in baseball, the bright light of baseball, wouldn't have been sold out on July 4th, and everybody at least had it on their screen while they cooked or they ate or they fished or they swam or they did whatever they're doing? I'm not even saying they should have been on in prime time. Put them on at 2, and people would have watched. I can't run every sport for you, people. I can't do it. I know you want me to. I know you need me to. I know you're asking me to, but I can't do it. I can't run every damn sport for you. At some point, you got to think for yourself. I could not believe when I saw Gary Sheffield Jr.'s tweet. I couldn't. I'm like, wait a second. You're, what, 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 they weren't on prime time. No. No. They did not even have, did not even have a game yesterday. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. It is, to quote me, un-effing believable. It is. It's unbelievable. Can you tell me how that's possible? I was just going to give you my phone number. 317-239-1070 is the number. Dan at 1070thefan.com. I was going to give you all that. Please explain to me how we got no baseball, please, from the Yankees yesterday. Y'all are out of your freaking minds. So we don't, so baseball goes on, and nobody gives a rat's. I mean, let's just be honest. 
Nobody really gives a rat's. But will somebody please tell baseball, uh, yeah, you know what? We got to have the Yankees on the 4th of July. Is that okay? All right. I'm just saying. We got to have the Yankees on the 4th of July, and you got to do it every year. There are really two lull days, obviously, in sports. One of them is the 4th of July. Look, I, again, I love Wimbledon. I do. I'll watch it. I ain't mad about it. I'm not going to sit for hours like a football game and watch it. No, but I will watch it. You know what else? Home Run Derby Day in the NFL or NBA or whatever the hell, Major League Baseball. Around the day after the All-Star Game, even the All-Star Game and the day before, there's nothing on TV. Those are the only days of the year. And then we get back to having baseball and everything else. But you got to have the Yankees on. You do. You got to have the Yankees on. I think anyway. All right, today I got a monster for you. We come back. You're probably going to get mad at me. You're probably going to say, Doc, get you out of your mind. But this is going to be one of those things that I tell you that you're going to say you're an idiot. You don't know. You're stupid. That would never happen. And then when it happens within three to five years, you're going to go like this. Wait a second. I was watching a show back a few years ago. And this guy told me that this was going to happen. That's what's coming up next. All right? That's what's next. That. So don't at me, people. Don't at me. When I tell you what's going to happen next in the world of university transfers, meaning universities leaving a league and coming to another league, And you're going to go, that can't happen. It will happen. And I'm going to tell you who it's going to be. Also, Coach Jason Brown, you know him. You love him. You know him from the Netflix hit Last Chance U football. He's coming up. And Joey Chestnut dominated the world, right? Joey Chestnut dominated. He's won like 14 of 15. Who else in what sports have dominated like Joey Chestnut? I'll tell you who those folks are. Also, stay right here. We'll be right back in a minute. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, welcome back. Pretty good over the weekend. You know, this past week, we saw a seismic shift in college football and basketball and baseball and soccer and whatever else you want it to be. It's a seismic shift when USC and UCLA came to the Big Ten. Now, people are saying, well, wait a second. I never saw that coming. How could that possibly happen? Remember that when you watch college basketball, Bill Walton is telling you about the Conference of Champions. And when Bill Walton talks about the Conference of Champions, the main deal, of course, is UCLA and their 11 national basketball championships, right? I mean, that is what Bill Walton is talking about. He's also talking about in the Olympic sports, how the Olympic sports across the Pac-12 win championships, whether it's Stanford, you name the sport, I'm sure there's a championship in there, except, ladies and gentlemen, for football. Now, football, since we have gone to the playoff age in the Pac-12, hasn't been meaningless But it's been pretty damn close. Of course, 
we still watch. Of course, the brightest game on television with the best uniforms is UCLA versus USC last week of the year, second last, whatever the hell it is. Of course, all of it. And of course, Oregon has made the college football playoff. But let's be real here. The world of college athletics is about one thing and one thing only, money. That's off the field. On the field, how do we generate the money? Make the college football playoff. What's eventually going to happen? The college football playoffs going to be expanded. We know this. It's not a thought. It's a certainty. So you're sitting there as USC and UCLA, and you're not happy. You've been through a couple commissioners. You know, it hasn't gone well for you. You don't like your TV deal. You're looking at the Big Ten going, wait a second, that TV deal is pretty good. Next thing you know, Gene Smith from Ohio State reaches out. Next thing you know, the folks from USC and UCLA are interested. Next thing you know, you got a deal that got brokered last week, right? So in that deal, it makes you say to yourself, golly, I never, ever, ever thought that this was going to happen. How could this happen? Well, let me give you five others that some of which you are going to think yeah, that could happen, some of which you are going to say, nah, there's no way in hell, Dockage, but eventually it's going to happen because eventually we're moving to two leagues. And I don't know if they're going to be called the Big Ten Coalition, the SEC Coalition, the East, the West, the South, the North. Bah! But on my five for Tuesday, I'm going to give you five moves that are going to happen, not now, not tomorrow, not the next day, but they're going to happen when this all shakes out. And there's going to be more. I'm just giving you the top five. Number five probably should be number two, but I made it number five because I think of these, it's the least likely to happen. But number five is the University of North Carolina to the Big Ten. The University of North Carolina to the Big Ten doesn't make any sense until it does make sense. Let me explain. The University of North Carolina, when you think about the ACC, is the university in the ACC. Now, I understand that people look at Clemson and say, well, Clemson is really the team in football. Yes, they are. And Dabo Sweeney has made them that. And the facilities are top-notch, and everybody talks about them. But let's be honest, Clemson's a little town in the middle of South Carolina. North Carolina is a big state school. North Carolina, Indiana, Kansas, those type, Connecticut, those type schools have been great in basketball, but somehow have failed in football. And frankly, I don't understand. Again, if I'm North Carolina, Mac Brown, nice choice. But hey, look, got to go. Urban Meyer and next thing you know, North Carolina will be a football power. That's what should happen. It won't. So what's going to happen? Well, at some point, North Carolina is going to realize, wait a second, is the ACC going to fall apart? I don't know. But they got to be thinking about it. Bubba Cunningham, the athletic director in North Carolina, is one of the smartest people that I have met in athletics. He is. I knew Bubba Cunningham when he was at Ball State. And frankly, Bubba Cunningham is just different. When you go to MAC meetings, you look around. Everybody's kind of the same. A little bit down on their luck. A little bit, you know, I don't know. I don't know the right word, but Bubba Cunningham was always really smart and above it. 
He just was. And I've always had mad respect for Bubba Cunningham. Now, does the athletic director make this decision? Of course not. Of course not. So let's just understand that right now. Let's understand that Bubba Cunningham and the folks at the University of North Carolina, being smart, trying to get a figure on the lay of the land, are saying there what I just was saying. We're going to look at two leagues. Now, let me ask you a question. Is the ACC even relevant football-wise outside of Clemson? When you can bet on a 12-game schedule, when you can bet Clemson over 11 and win, that's a problem for the league. I'm sorry, it just is. Particularly the league, let's be honest. There's some regional teams in there, Florida State, Georgia Tech. Really? I'm not saying they're not great universities. Of course they're great universities. But when it comes to fan bases, is there anybody regional? I mean, is there anybody, I don't know, rooting for Georgia Tech anywhere? Maybe there is. Wake Forest and Duke? Regionally, I'm not even sure they qualify regionally in football. I'm talking football here. I'm not talking basketball because as we've learned with Kansas being left out, basketball really doesn't cut it here. Football is the king. So let's talk about that. Wake Forest, North Carolina State, any interest football-wise? Georgia Tech, Florida State, even Miami. Yes, I know the U is going all out and John Ruiz is paying everybody and their mother. That's fine. Let's go. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's all so great. I don't know that anybody really cares. And if I'm North Carolina, I got to be sitting there going, whoa, what's going to happen to this league? Now, I'm sure the commissioner, Jim Phillips, who is a really bright guy and a really good guy, I'm sure he's thinking this too. And I'm sure there is some trepidation on everybody's part in that league that Carolina may bolt. Not saying they will, but I'm saying they will. Not saying they will today but I'm saying they will sooner than later. And I think going to the SEC or the Big Ten, but I think they'll end up in the Big Ten. I do. That's what I think. We shall see what we shall see. Number four, Florida State to the SEC. It only makes sense. Florida State going to the SEC is one of those deals where you're like, all right, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, it should happen. Again, I'm not saying today or tomorrow, but you're going to see it. You're going to see at some point Florida State say, you know what? Same thing I said about North Carolina. What the heck's going on here? Now, understand this. When Bobby Bowden was running through like decades, and I mean decades, of uh, getting in the top five and winning national championships and being the most interesting, uh, anticipated team in the country, I don't know. This would have been a seismic shift. But six coaches later, Jimbo Fisher running out of there to go to Texas A&M. I don't know who in the hell they've hired in between. In fact, I think the coach's name is Norvell, but I'm not even sure about that. That's And I'm a college football like every Saturday guy. So I don't really care that, Nor- that Florida State leaves and goes to the SEC. Like, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when Florida State came into the ACC and all they did was win every game. Like, they never lost for, like, five years. Every single game, like Florida State, it was like a laydown. If ever there was a conference laydown, and I'll get into some other conference laydowns, Florida State, when they went to the ACC as a laydown, was a laydown. I mean, Danny Ford and the boys at Clemson won it back in, not what, 1980, 81? 
That's great. But this was the 90s, and no one was touching Florida State, baby. But that run appears to be over, so Florida State will end up, in my opinion, at some point in the SEC. And isn't it a perfect fit? I mean, really, isn't it? Look, I'm not saying that you have the same cachet at Florida State that you do of Georgia or LSU or Alabama or Miss, uh, Ole Miss when you're talking about state schools. But it is the same as Mississippi State. It is, with a better football program, a more historic football program. That's the way the world works right now. And Florida State has to go. I don't think you can stay in the ACC. I don't. And I'm not saying tomorrow. But I'm saying, I guarantee, you know, I always say there's a backstory. Boom. Bet on it. Backstory. I just think this has to happen. I think this next one has to happen. Um, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that there has to be a move from the West to the Midwest from two more teams, if not certainly one team. And those two teams have to be Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten. Don't at me about it. Don't at me. Don't get on my ass about it. Don't say that'll never happen. Really? See, the answer to that'll never happen is two things. In coaching, it's, yeah, well, Indiana fired Bobby Knight. So that ends the whole it'll never happen conversation in coaching. Now... It'll never happen in schools moving? Really? Hey, did you see UCLA and USC just left the Pac-12 to come to the Big Ten? Did you see that by any chance? That ends the whole it'll never happen argument. That ends it. It's over. Well, you know, Dan, Oregon and Washington will never leave the Pac-12, really. If I were Oregon and Washington, not only would I leave the Pac-12, I'd be begging to leave the Pac-12. Not only were I Stanford and Cal, would I want to leave the Pac-12, I'd be begging to leave the Pac-12. Not only were I Arizona and Arizona State leaving the Pac-12, I'd be begging. It would be a race in my world for those six schools. Yeah, Washington State ain't going nowhere. Washington State needs to go to the Mountain West. Oregon State, great. Yay, Rod, great programs. Big 12 is a calling for a few years. But I'm telling you, Arizona, Arizona State versus Stanford, Cal versus Oregon, Oregon State, or excuse me, Oregon and Washington, it's happening right now. It's like when you go to a game, you go to a baseball game, And one of the things they do to keep you entertained between innings is have you bet on which car goes faster. Here we got Oregon and Washington. Here we got Cal and Stanford. And over here we got Arizona and Arizona State. Let's go, baby. Rev up your engines. And I'm telling you. Now you say to me, well, why don't they take them all? Better question than if they're going. The question of if they're going is 6,727% yes. They're going, of course. 
But the question becomes, do you take all of them? Do you take six? There's not going to be any limit on how many teams go. You're going to have a league, a league, and that's it. There is a question, and we'll get into this at some point, of what happens to the NCAA tournament. Now, that's a legit question. Fran Fraschella, my good friend from ESPN, thinks that once these TV contracts are up, the NCAA tournament will change, and there will only be 75 teams eligible to play. That could very well be. I don't know. You know, one of the things that I do as a broadcaster is I pay attention to stuff I'm broadcasting. I don't really know the stuff that could happen. I'm not smart enough. Look at this. This isn't smart enough. But I'm smart enough to know this, baby. Rev up your engines. We got Arizona, Arizona State in the South. Let me ask you, as a Big Ten fan, who would you rather have, Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford or Cal, or Oregon and Washington? I'm not so sure I wouldn't rather have Arizona, Arizona State. I don't know. Be fun. Be more fun. And when I move out to Arizona at some point in my life, I get to watch Big Ten. And as we all know, it's all about me, baby. It's all about you, too. Don't act like it's not about you. You know, anyway. All right, that's number three. Numero deuce. Clemson to the SEC, but they better do it quickly. Why better they do it quickly? Well, here's the deal. Clemson, South Carolina is a little speck in South Carolina. It's not the University of South Carolina. It's a great university. It's a great college town. It's great. It's not good. It's great. Let's get that out of the way. Death Valley, as they call it, fantastic. Ipte, I pay 10000 a year. Fantastic Tate's Lock program. It's beautiful. It's great. It's awesome. Everything about it, terrific. The football program, you can argue, is right there. Ohio, uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, whatever you want to say, you name it, they do it, they got it, they're in. The problem is, is it sustainable? In a world of NIL, is it sustainable? Like, we've already seen what's going on here. I would argue that in the world of NIL, there's no better town than Columbus, Ohio. Why? Well, you got a massive state, millions and millions of people in the state, and 99.9% .9 of them love, don't like, love the Buckeyes. Basketball, yeah, we like it. It's great. But football, baby, it's a religion. Now, let's fast forward to the city of Columbus. You don't have a pro sports team other than a minor league baseball team, a soccer team, and a hockey team. That's it. And the hockey team really is major league. Okay, but they ain't the Buckeyes, baby. So you've got very limited pro sports in a massive state capital in a hugely populated city. Now, in that state capital, you've got many, 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 many corporate headquarters. Columbus being in the middle of the United States with tax breaks left and right has been unbelievably attractive to corporate headquarters. There's a ton of scratch in Columbus, Ohio. Well, let me ask you a question. NIL, where do you think it comes from? Corporate headquarters, corporations. Compare that with Clemson, South Carolina. Small little town, not the state capital. A lot of great boosters. They've done an amazing job building up their sports program. But I got to tell you, 
Dan Radakovich, who is one of the best, if not the best, uh, athletic directors in the country, left Clemson, South Carolina, to go to where? The U. He didn't go to Ohio State. He didn't go to Oregon. Go to UCLA, USC. Go to Michigan. Go to LSU. He went to the U. Now, the U hasn't been relative in a long time, ever since Uncle Luther was doing his thing. They're trying. Mario Cristobal, I'm sure we'll get it going a little bit. They're paying a ton of money, just paid a quarterback $9 million, even though they're saying they didn't. But the truth of the matter is, I don't think Clemson, South Carolina is sustainable as a power, as more of these schools move into different realms, as the NIL era takes over. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying common sense dictates that it's not. Common sense dictates that, man, pretty good deal down there in Miami. You got one guy uh, footing the bill. Maybe you can get one guy footing the bill in Clemson, but, man, think about the difference in Miami and Clemson, South Carolina. I'll give you one word. South Beach. Yeah, I said it. One word. South Beach. It's one word. It's one word. You got thongs. You got all kind of stuff, right? You got everything. So at the end of the day, I see this as something that needs to be done very, very quickly. You better get moving, Clemson. You better get going, Clemson. You better take off, Clemson. Yeah, you better. And you better do it soon because that football program heads a little south. I think you'll still be viable. I think you'll still be interesting. I think people will still want you. But sooner than later, works out for you, Clemson. Get your ass to the SEC and get going. All right. The number one school that needs to make a move is Notre Dame. Notre Dame to the ACC makes sense for one one program and one program only, and it ain't Notre Dame. That program being the entire ACC. Notre Dame to the ACC makes perfect sense. Save us, old Irish. Save us, Golden Dome. Save us with your TV contract, including Peacock streaming. Save us. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think two things are going to happen for Notre Dame. One, I don't think they stay as an independent. I think the money is such that, wait a second, I think, I think, and I could be wrong, But I think their relevance is slipping a little bit, even as we speak, and I think they know it. Because if I know it, they know it. Now, you can say it's not, and I'm sure Notre Dame would spin it another way. Our leverage has never been greater. I don't buy that. I don't buy that because I don't really buy that if I were Jack Swarbrick, and Jack Swarbrick is a very smart man. Jack Swarbrick was in charge of the Pan American Games here in Indianapolis, and that's pretty much... Not how he made his name, but it, it, but people are like, hey, man, this Jack Swarbrick guy, yeah, yeah, we're all in on Jack Swarbrick. We're good with him. But Notre Dame to the ACC doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why? Because I don't think the ACC is going to be there. I don't. Now, you can go to the ACC and get swallowed up by others, but why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just go to the Big Ten, make certain demands, while you still can't? I'm not even sure they can make certain demands. I think they believe they can make certain demands, and maybe they can. I don't know. But one thing I do know is this. 
Notre Dame now does not have the cachet of Notre Dame back then. Think about also this. Let's go through Notre Dame for a second. Who do they like to play? They like to play Michigan. They like to play Michigan State. Both are right now in a going to be in a bloated Big Ten. Right? I mean, that's, you know, they like to play Purdue. Is there room for all of these teams on Notre Dame's schedule? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I mean, if Notre Dame calls you and says, hey, look, we want you to come to Notre Dame. They like to play USC, don't they? Well, guess what? USC's in the Big Ten. Hey, look, we want you to play here. We're going to put it on NBC. Okay. Notre Dame, though, has not had the easiest time scheduling. In fact, there was a time a few years ago Notre Dame had to put uh, a basketball game to Miami of Ohio. They put Mike Bray's team at Miami of Ohio to go play Miami of Ohio because they couldn't schedule it. People think it's the easiest thing in the world to schedule. I don't think so. And then here's the other complaint Notre Dame is starting to have. Certainly Notre Dame fans, I don't know whether or not they learn that it's just the way of the world or whether or not they're still going to fight it. But a couple of Notre Dame games run the Peacock Network. You know what the Peacock Network is? Uh, streaming for NBC. Now, look, there's a couple things in play here. Notre Dame does not want to be on streaming on NBC. They want to be on NBC Big. You know, you don't want to drink Bud Light. You want to drink Bud Heavy. It's a little like USC. One of the things that I've been told by numerous people is that USC was upset because all of a sudden we're playing on Friday nights. Are you out of your mind? Hey, look, Thursday night national TV game, maybe, but Friday night when high school football's going on and no one's really watching TV on a Friday night, you're out shaking it on a Friday night. You got the white man overbite on a Friday night, at least I do. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, Notre Dame? Seriously, what are you doing? Like, you're on the Peacock Network? Playing in Dublin is great. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. And I know Notre Dame Richies like to go, and I know people kind of like it, but really, do you? Do you really like all that's going on with Notre Dame if you're a Notre Dame fan? Do you really like being on the Peacock Network? Do you really like seeing all the teams that you play now in one league? Do you really get excited to play that Wake Forest game or that North Carolina game or that Duke game? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's not my... Not my way of looking at it, but Notre Dame to me has always been the smartest school out there. They figured it out. They knew who they were, but now you better know who you are now. And if you join the ACC, that's a lesser thing for you. So you got to join the Big Ten. You can join the SEC, I suppose. It just doesn't fit. No, it doesn't. Let's be honest. Notre Dame to the SEC, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the Notre Dame mantra, and I'll tell you why. When no, the Notre Dame mantra is not the state of Indiana. It's the state of Indiana, right? Notre Dame's up here. All right, Chicago's right over here. See, when I grew up, and I grew up in the area about an hour to the west, I grew up in northwest Indiana, Maryville, Gary, Indiana area. We were Notre Dame fans, kind of. We certainly didn't know the Pacers. Uh, the Colts weren't there. Nobody gave a rat's about anything in southern Indiana. Southern Indiana to us was Lowell, Indiana, which is 10 minutes south of where we live, which now is considered northwest Indiana. Nobody cared about anything south. So Notre Dame to me is about Chicago. Notre Dame is more about Chicago than it is about Indiana. Notre Dame is more about Detroit than it is Indiana. It just is. I'm sorry. 
Notre Dame basketball doesn't move the needle in the state of Indiana. Notre Dame football does to a degree, but not really, because Indiana's not really a state. Notre Dame football moves the needle in Joliet. Remember, Rudy? The Catholic League in Chicago, the Catholic League in Detroit. Notre Dame moves the needle nationally. Doesn't move the needle in Indianapolis. I guess maybe a little bit in Indy, because there's a lot of alumni. But it really doesn't. So if I'm Notre Dame, I'm not going to the SEC. I'm keeping where Chicago is. I'm keeping where Detroit is. I'm staying where Indianapolis is. That's kind of the triangle, I suppose. Why would I think about going to the SEC? I've had people say, well, they got to go to the ACC. If you go to the ACC, you're just going to be looking for another place coming up here in a few years, and they know that. Or you stay independent. Look, you got a seat at the table. But if I'm the Big Ten, I might put a little pressure on Notre Dame. Hey, guys, why are you playing Notre Dame? Tradition. All right. If you're USC. Hey, USC, we need you to play Michigan in that slot late in the year as opposed to Notre Dame. Hey, USC, you're in the Big Ten now. We need you early in the season to play Ohio State. We need you to play Wisconsin, you know, second week or whenever it is. I don't. Michigan, we don't need you going to play Notre Dame. Michigan State's a great series, but we need you to go out to UCLA. I'm just saying. There's a way to put pressure on schools, and that's the way. Scheduling is the hardest thing in football and basketball. Now, football, you had it easy. Just win games. Now, wait a second. There's strength of schedules. Woo, does that change things? All right, so let's review. Starting on the bottom. If you're just joining the show, and we thank you for doing that, the University of North Carolina is going to go to the Big Ten at some point. Sorry, they are. Florida State has to, don't they? Don't they have to go to the SEC? I mean, look, I get it. I don't even know what league they were in when Bobby Bowden was doing his thing, but in basketball, they were in the Metro. Maybe they were in the Metro. Bobby Bowden, the Metro. Then they get in the ACC. Then they dominate the ACC, and they force the entire ACC to lift up its football to the point now where Clemson's kicking their backside. So now if the opportunity arises, you got to go to the SEC. It's a no-brainer. It's not even close. All right. Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten. Now, I know what you're saying. Dan, you're an idiot. Yes, I am. But why am I an idiot? You're an idiot because I saw a report by Dennis Dodds that says the Big Ten is standing pat on anything until they hear from Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You can buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You don't buy it either. You and I both know that ain't. Come on. So, anyway, that's that. Then, of course, we got Clemson to the SEC. But Devil Sweeney's killing everybody in the ACC. Yeah? Okay. He is. How long has that lasted? In an age of NIL, how long? You tell me. I'm looking here on the YouTube chat. Has that lasted any time? We got anything going on? I don't know. I don't think so. And then, of course, numero uno. Fear, cheer for old Notre Dame. Get in the Big Ten cheering your name. 
play IU and Purdue and join the Big Ten. Cheer, cheer for the old Big Ten. Play Indiana, Iowa again. It's pretty good. It wasn't bad. Uh, Dan, breaking up these conferences are the dumbest thing ever. What happens to Bama when Saban leaves? What is the point of all of this? The point of all of this is screech. What happens to Bama when Saban leaves? I don't think they're going to be as good, but I think they're positioned pretty well. I do. I think Dabo Sweeney, I agree with Marlon Miller. I, I, I think that Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney, what happens when he leaves? Get him in the SEC. How are you sustaining $9 million for a quarterback at Clemson? Please explain it to me. I mean, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Look up Clemson, South Carolina. It's as big as my head. It ain't, well, it's huge. Never mind. It's as big as my Gemco logo. Gemco, by the way, is my brother's construction company. It's the best in the city. I digress. Thank you very much for the song. That was pretty good. It was really good. Particularly the Iowa again. Uh, anyway, does Kirby Smart go to Bama? I don't know, but I think Bama sustains. I think Clemson sustains, but if you were going to bet on something, Clemson or Alabama sustaining? If you're going to bet on who could get you more NIL money, Clemson in the ACC or Clemson in the SEC? I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I do know this. The YouTube chat is a poppin'. All right, we come back. Joey Chestnut won 14 out of 15. There's some dynasties in college sports that are unbelievable. I mean, incredible. We'll come back with that next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut's an American badass. Don't at me about it either. He is. I mean, the dude has won 14 of 15 hot dog eating contests. Uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. I got to tell you, uh, I miss Kobayashi. I miss the competition. Kobayashi hasn't been in there since 2010. And the question becomes, 14 out of 15 national champions, conference champ, whatever, Dan, give me some schools that you deem like <laughs> Joey Chestnut. I'll give you one, and it's an all-timer. The University of North Carolina soccer program, women's soccer program. The University of North Carolina women's soccer program is going to be an unbelievable addition to the Big Ten. Anson Torrance, Dorrance, is the soccer coach at North Carolina. And all Anson has done is win everything. There have been 40 total women's NCAA soccer championships. And Anson has won 21 of them. Now, he hadn't won one in 10 years. So he won... 21 of 30. Uh, let me go back. They started in 1982 where 
Champion, champion, champion. Runner-up in 85. I don't know what happened. Champion, champion, champion. Champion, 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 champion. Semifinals, champion, champion. Runner-up, champion, champion. Runner-up, semifinals, champion. And then champion in 06, and in 08, 09, and then again in 12. Been a runner-up twice, three times since then. That's a dynasty. That's a big-time dynasty. Champion, champion, 21 of 30. Actually, there was a time in there, it was like 21 of like 25, 28, which is amazing. You know, Anson Dorrance actually had a player whine. <laughs> you do me. <laughs> but basically, uh, Anson Dorrance kind of started soccer. And when you look at all that's going on in the country and you look at who all is involved in winning like Joey Chestnut, Anson Dorrance is at the top of the – at the, the very top. Think about it. My God, man. My God, man. So when you think of Joey Chestnut, 14 of 15, think of Anson Dorrance, the greatest soccer coach in the history of the world, greatest women's soccer – greatest men's college soccer coach was Jerry Yagley. Uh UCLA basketball. Now, a lot of people are too young to remember UCLA basketball. But like Joey Chestnut, UCLA basketball, dominant. Not a little bit dominant, dominant. Now, it all, ironically, I don't know, it all kind of happened when suddenly, out of nowhere, John Wooden got amnesia. What do I mean by that? Well, John Wooden decided that he was going from not winning anything to, oh, I met this guy named Sam Gilbert. Sam Gilbert is going to be my, oh, I don't know, booster. Yeah, he's going to be my booster. What does that mean? That means, well, somehow Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to be a walk-on at UCLA. A walk-on, you say? From New York City? Yes. Why? Well, it was a stylish way to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, then Luel Cinder, to be able to go home. That's right. He was a courier for a film company. And one of his jobs was to, li- to deliver film to New York City. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, at least what I read in his book, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, guess what? He decided, that's a good school for me. I'm going to go from New York all the way out west and play for this old man who had never won nothing. All right, cool. Sam Gilbert allegedly did a lot of stuff for old Johnny Wood. Johnny Wooden, allegedly, didn't know anything about it. Didn't know nothing. What do I know? I don't know nothing. Until Sam Gilbert came. And then Sam Gilbert, he didn't know nothing either. So next thing you know, UCLA goes, I don't know, they win pretty well. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They go thirteen years before Johnny W. 14, 15. They went 15 years before John Wooden suddenly, miraculously, won one, two, three, four. Ah. I don't know. Nine in a row? Ten in a row? Ten out of 11? 11 out of 12? 12 out of 13? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten out of eleven. Go get him, Johnny Wooden. Go get him. I mean, who doesn't want to go across country and play for some old white dude that used to play at Purdue a hundred years ago? But it was dominance. Sam Gilbert or no Sam Gilbert, it was dominance. Hell, even the backup, Swen Nader. Got to go play in the NBA for a long time. Kidding me? And everybody kisses the ring of old Johnny W, baby. And they should, right? He won. Doesn't matter how you win. He won. John Wooden was ahead of his time. He understood. Let's win. (laughs) I love it. Man, 15 years. Now, Wooden during those 15 years did make the Final Four a few times. He did. He did. But damn, all of a sudden his dominance came when a man named Sam Gilbert came involved. Didn't see that coming. All right, so UCLA, 10 titles in 12 years. Kansas basketball. Kansas basketball won themselves 14 straight Big 12 conference titles under Bill Self. Now, I want to explain something to you about this. So Kansas basketball is rolling, all right? Whatever you think of Bill Self, whatever you think of Kansas basketball, you do you. But the truth of the matter is, when you look at Texas or you look at Oklahoma or you look at Kansas State, you look at any of these schools, Kansas State brought in different coaches. You see those coaches on the sideline of other schools in their nice suits? They're paid millions, millions to win and beat Kansas. But for 14 straight years, there was a couple ties in there. And I'll tell you the reason I know the ties coming up in a minute. 14 straight years, Kansas basketball whooped everybody in their league. Do you know how hard that is? Like, particularly when you're Kansas and you go, this is before Baylor got really good. Baylor broke their streak. But but you go to Baylor, and Baylor back in the day, maybe, maybe, maybe had nobody there. Okay, but they did when Kansas came in. They did when Kansas showed up in that gym, baby. They said, wait a second here. We're rolling. We're going to roll. We're going to keep rolling. We ain't stopped rolling. They go to Kansas State. I don't think Roy Williams ever lost to Kansas State. Think about that. Roy Williams, best basketball coach I was ever on the opposite sideline of. And I was on the opposite sideline of Shashevsky. I beat Massimino when I was at Bowling Green. Uh, I don't know. Herrick was on the opposite sideline. I'd have to go through all the guys. We were on the opposite sidelines. Up Don Haskins. Nobody was better than Roy Williams. Nobody. Bill Self was on opposite. I don't know if I ever was. Lou Henson, Bill Frieder, Johnny Orr, all these guys. John Thompson. 
but nobody was better than Roy Williams. But you look at the dominance of Kansas and you say, wait a second. This is a league where everybody's got guys. And I'm being literal here. Everybody. And Kansas whooped their ass. All right, Gonzaga basketball. Now, this one's a little more doable because Gonzaga is on a plane that others aren't. Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference charters, has chefs, recruits nationally. How they built it is awesome. They built it by basically playing everybody that they could possibly play at night. They didn't care. We'll play at night. We'll play at day. We'll play tomorrow. We'll fly out to Madison Square Garden. You think you're just going to kick the living hell out of us? You're out of your mind. And they built a culture where it's fun to go to Gonzaga. You know, Mark Few does his thing, man. Mark Few does his thing. And I'm a big Mark Few fan. Yeah, I know he had a problem this summer, and he paid a price for it. I mean, the only people that are perfect are you all on Twitter, let's be honest. The only people that are perfect other than you all on Twitter and your degrees in dermatology, epidology, whatever the hell it is, uh, you're, you got your you got your COVID Twitter degree, now you've got your social justice Twitter degree, and of course you've got your diplomacy Twitter degree. I get all of it. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not defending what few did he he got in trouble he paid a price he continued to pay a price it was stupid but mark few has built a culture where kids are dying to go play at gonzaga you tra- andrew nemhart just transferred from florida for crying out loud he's from canada transferred from florida to go play at gonzaga where he had been a starter at florida for years and years and years ever since he was a freshman next thing you know he transfers and goes to gonzaga Next thing you know, he's the first pick of the second round by the Pacers. It's pretty amazing what they've been able to do there. It really is. It's pretty astounding. If you break it down and you really think about it, it's pretty astounding. So anyway, that's what's happening. And it's amazing. 20 of 21 years, they have hoisted that flag. That's Joey Chestnut type of dominance. It just is. Now, I don't know that there's others. There's a ton of others. You know, let's talk about Nick Saban. Somebody brought up Nick Saban. All right? What happens to Alabama when Nick Saban leaves? You know, one of the things that I think people don't understand about Nick Saban is that Nick Saban kind of made Alabama football. I want you to think about this. So Nick Saban goes to Alabama, and I'm going to read you the records of Alabama football before Nick Saban. Now, hold on a second. I understand the history's unbelievable. I understand Bear Bryant. I understand all of this. I swear to you, I do. But it goes away. Bear Bryant, and this is what happens, and I've said this forever, right? Bear Bryant left a legacy that was unbelievable. He really did. Now, there's got to be something missing. Now, when I go through the records of everybody, it's not like, though, everybody at Alabama just won. Like, Indiana folks thought that Indiana could win. It didn't matter who the coach was. Amen. It didn't matter who the hell the coach was. We're going to win. We don't care. We don't want to hear about it. We're just going to win. 
And you know what happened in Indiana? When Bob Knight left, you got a residual effect. You did. You got a residual effect, and Yera go fight win. But the truth of the matter is, Alabama wasn't great. No. Alabama wasn't great at all. I mean, I'm sorry, but they just weren't. Alabama was okay. I'm trying to find Alabama's season records over the course of time. But be careful what you wish for. Because the truth of the matter is, Alabama stunk under Mike Shula. It did. It stunk. So it is a legitimate question. The question of Alabama, how good will they be when Nick Saban is gone, is not something that should be discounted. It shouldn't be. You know, people want to always say, hey, look, oh, man, it's Bama. It is absolutely the shirt on the front that sells, right? No question. But let me give you some records. You ready? So Bear Bryant leaves. Ray Perkins takes over. And they're fine. They go eight and four. Five and six. Then Perkins gets it going. Nine and two. Ten and three. Then Bill Curry takes over. Seven and five. Imagine going seven and five right now at Alabama. Nine and three. Ten and two. Then Gene Stallings takes over. Seven and five. Hey, look, Gene Stallings went 24-1 and one over a two-year period. That's pretty good. 9-3, and 12-1, 8-3, 10-2. Now Mike DeBose. Now Mike DeBose comes in, right? Mike DeBose comes in, it ain't so good. 4-7, and 7-5, 10-3, 3-8. Some guy named Dennis Francione comes in. 7-5. 10 and 3. Mike Shula comes in. 4 and 9. 6 and 6. 10 and 2. 6 and 7. And now here it comes. Nick Saban. I gave you all those numbers. Nick Saban, 7 and 6 his first year. 12, 14, 10, 12, 13. 11, 12, 14, 14, 13, 14. 11, 13, 13. I should go through losses for you during that period. Ready? Two, zero, three. Oh, boy. One, one, two, two, one, 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 two, zero, two. Nick Saban's had a hell of a run here. I mean, an unbelievable run. One, two, three, four, five, six. This can't be right. He's won six out of seven national championships. No, 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 no. I lie. He's won. He's been in the championship six out of seven years. He won three in those six out of seven years and lost three in those six years. That's dynasty, baby. Particularly when you live in a state of Alabama where, if you look at it, the history hasn't been that great. If your name isn't Bear Bryant or maybe Gene Stallings for a few years, it's not that great. Hell, I forgot Dennis Francione came over. Be careful what you wish for, Bama fans. You got a dynasty right now. You do. You got an absolute dynasty. You got a dynasty that is really unparalleled in the annals, annals, whatever the hell it is, 
of college football. It's dynamite right now. But the fact of the matter is, don't take it for granted. Don't even think about taking it for granted. You take it for granted, I don't know what's going to happen. Let me give you this one. So in 14 seasons, Dabo Sweeney is 150 and 36. That's an 806 winning percentage. The guy before him, Tommy Bowden, was good, right? Tommy Bowden won 61% of his games, Dabo 80. Guy before him, Tommy West, 52% of his games. Guy before him, Hatfield, 70. Now they had a nice run, Danny Danny Ford, uh, 76. And a guy, Charlie Pell, in two years, won 84. Be careful what you wish for with all this. Remember, if they'll fire Bob Knight, they'll fire you. And ladies and gentlemen, I forgot the next one. Oh, if USC will lose, then they go, oh, we're talking about Nadal now? Uh, I can give you Nadal on clay. Is that what you want? Look at my boys. See, this is what happens. These guys love, love Nadal. I'm watching Djokovic. He's one of my Serbian brothers. Rafael Nadal has won 90% of the highest level matches on clay. More than Federer on grass. Which Now, Federer on grass has won 89%. Djokovic on hard court has won 85%. Nadal, Nadal won 91%. Now, let me give that to you. Listen to this record by Nadal. You ready? Nadal, hold on, hang on, hang on, caller. Uh, Hang on, hang on. He won 81 consecutive matches on clay. He's won 62 clay court titles. He has a win-loss record, Nadal, on clay of 464 and 43. That's over 10 to 1. Well, that's why it's 91%. 13 consecutive clay court titles he won. 13 French Open. Oh, by the way, on clay. Yeah. He won the Monte Carlo Masters 11 times. He's won at least one clay court Masters 1,000 title for 10 years. Damn. And everybody that's an adult fan is very excited about what? The fact that Novak Djokovic right now is down two sets to low. Because they don't want to face the joker on clay if you're an adult guy. I love it. There are some great dynasties in this country. The Andrean Fighting 59ers baseball team won its eighth state championship, the most in the state of Indiana history. That's right. That's right, we did. Just saying. I mean, you could like it. You could dislike it. You could be mad about it. You could be happy about it. You could be sad about it. Do you know how hard it is in college basketball to go undefeated? Like in 1975, Indiana went 32-1. and And the only reason they lost one Indiana basketball was because Scott May, the National Player of the Year, broke his arm in the last regular season game of the year against Purdue. All right? The next year, 
Listen to this. Do you think this would ever happen in today's society? Coach Knight, Bob Knight, who you all think is crazy. I don't think he's crazy. I just think he's a guy, man. I just think he's a dude that was crazy at times. Who am I crapping? But anyway, Coach Bob Knight told the team the next year, you know what he said? If we don't go undefeated, this year will be a disappointment. Now, I want you to think about that. If we don't go undefeated, this year will be a disappointment. If a coach said that to a team right now, players would be on the phones bitching, moaning, whining. That's too much pressure. I don't like all that pressure. He'd be mean to me. He'd mean to me. Shut up. The People used to ask me when I was coaching at Bowling Green, what's your goals? this year. And you know, what are you supposed to say? Well, I want to win 20 games. Well, you got 28 games. So what games, what eight games are we supposed to lose? So I always used to say the same thing. I want to go undefeated. I want a national championship. I want to lead the country in scoring and I want to lead the country in defense. No, that's what I wanted to do. That's where I figured we should think. And I always looked at the note. There was a year where we led over a five-year period at Bowling Green, the country in field goal percentage. We used to run motion offense, and when I had this one particular group of dudes, man, was it clicking. Those guys still have stories about their crazy coach screaming, yelling, cussing, losing his mind. Speaking of screaming, yelling, cussing, I like Jason Brown. I like Jason Brown a lot. I think Jason Brown's an interesting dude. I like interesting dudes. The easiest thing in the world would be would, would be a, would be to be a modern coach where you just talk like every other modern coach, right? That's all. Gonzaga basketball. Let me just go to this and I'll get back. Larry Shepkowski says, run of excellence but not dominant about Gonzaga basketball. Really? 21 of 22 years winning the conference isn't dominant? Okay. Oh, okay. Guys are idiots, and I love them. Love you, Larry. I don't know if you follow me. I don't know. Uh, Bruce Bright is mad. Bruce Bright says, is this the same Brittany Griner that pretty much demanded that the national anthem not be played at WNBA games? Asking for a friend. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why not ask for yourself? I mean, I'm just asking. You know, why not ask for yourself? Is that asking for a friend? Like, is that a cute way of you not actually asking? By the way, I got a congressional candidate twerking on her head tomorrow for a What the Hell Wednesday. I do, and you're going to like it. But let me ask you this question. So Brittany Griner didn't want the national anthem played. And maybe Brittany Griner lost or, or learned a lesson. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but there were 50-some people dead trying to cross the border, you know, trying to cross into the United States. Now, I always sit here and I think about those people and how horrible their conditions must have been in Mexico that they would pay eight to $10,000, which is the cost sit in a, van, in, in a caravan 
to get out of their current situation to come to the United States. And I also think what a great country this is, that people are willing to do that. And I also think how blessed we are. You know, John Gordon, my friend, says, take a walk every day, a gratitude walk. And instead of listening to something on your headphone, take a gratitude walk. Take a walk where you express gratitude for your current situation. Not disdain for your current situation, gratitude for your current situation. We don't have gratitude in this country. We bitch, we whine, we moan. Everything's bad about this country. And if everything is so bad, at least relative to other countries, why are people paying $8,000, the most destitute of people, somehow come up with eight dollars to $10,000, risk their lives through horrible conditions to come to our country? I think at some point we ought to take a little time and be a little grateful for what we got. I really do. And then we see tragedies like what happened yesterday, not only, ladies and gentlemen, in Highland Park, Illinois, but all across Chicago, all across Indianapolis. I mean, we got murders upon murders upon murders upon murders here. I don't know about you, man, but I think at some point we ought to take a little time and be grateful, number one, that we're alive, number two, that we were lucky enough to be born into this country. Are you kidding me? People risking their lives, whether it's boats or it's caravans, paying zillions of dollars, thousands of dollars. Whoo! I'm telling you. And we take it for granted. We do. We take it for granted. It's time we stop. You know, it's time we ignore those that are tearing us apart and come together. I don't know what that means exactly, but I know this. I'm going to start taking a walk of gratitude. Man. I read about those poor folks coming over from Mexico. And I think about Brittany Griner. Okay, Brittany Griner didn't want the national anthem. I bet she does now. I bet she has a little appreciation now. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'll bet so. All right, we come back. The great coach, Jason Brown. You know him. You loved him from... Netflix hit series, Last Chance You. Jason Brown has some thoughts. And when he has thoughts, I want to hear his thoughts. You know what? I like people that are kind of no BS. Jason grew up in Compton. I grew up, I didn't really grow up in Gary. I didn't grow up in the real Gary. I grew up in Gary. I've told you before, man, our house got firebombed. I've had guns put to my head on three different occasions by police officers, one other time by another dude. Understand a little bit. Jason Brown's going to join us. We're just going to talk about what's going on in our society. I think he's an interesting dude. I like talking to interesting people. We'll be back with the coach next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, man, I'm excited about our next guest. He is Coach Jason Brown. You can go to Twitter at TheRealCoach underscore JB. You know him, you love him from Netflix hit series, uh, Last Chance You Football. All right, Coach, um, I'm going to get into everything about it, but I got to tell you, yesterday you put out on Twitter something that I have been saying. It is time we stop with the after the fact prayers on tragedies like we saw in Highland Park, Illinois. I don't have the solutions. I have thoughts. What is your thought on that? Yeah, I I say it all the time. Regardless of who is saying it, it's just weird. It's to me, it's like it's a PR stunt 
because they're a conglomerate or a Fortune 500 company or some big business, NFL, NBA, etc., they drop these things and it's apparently supposed to make all their fan base feel good or something. I don't know. Um, but we're so soft and uh, and I guess ignorant is the word or naive. Let me say naive. At, at the the word I would use, I guess, is the best describe it. The our 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 society so naive. We take their words and uh, and we just say, "Oh, thank you, Chicago Bulls. You're the best." And it's like they could give a crap less about what happens the 23rd hours of the day, 23 hours, the 24th hour happens. And then they want to make this PR statement about a, uh, you know, a sympathy uh, statement. And I'm just like, I'm getting tired of it, man, myself, because it's happened forever. And it's like, how about we use the platform that you guys do have the resources you do have, and let's get ahead of it. I don't see LeBron James. I don't see, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, even though I speak with Ice Cube in, in, in the big three basketball deal, I don't see them out here on the front line. Um, there's a lot of famous folks from Chicago, rappers, singers, players, uh, L.A., New York, uh, all these so-called, you know, uh, hotspots for murder right now, Philadelphia. Why aren't these guys out there talking to these young kids and using that platform instead of writing a, a prayer statement after the fact i mean it just means nothing to me it's a joke it's a slap in the real people's face that do understand what's going on and it's just a mockery hey i've said this forever i, I i've said i don't understand and i've raised two two kids one daughter one son and i don't understand why we well let me put it to you this way Tony Dungy the other day, about a month ago, talked about the importance of fathers in kids' lives, and he got killed for it. He said the same thing Obama said. Nobody killed Obama. They killed Dungy because he's not as liberal as I guess he's supposed to be. I've said forever, man, once we lost prayer and once we lost toughness, and I go to toughness in coaching, I go to toughness in fathers, I go to toughness in discipline within businesses. I think once we've lost this, we've lost our kids in certain ways, I think. Yeah, there's no no, no question. Um, there's a thing a lot of people don't want to break down and get into. We have too many dads we don't have any fathers. That's the problem. And America thinks that right. the dad is the real thing. I'm like, the dad is just who, who squirted you out. He doesn't raise you at all. Like the, the fathers are the ones that raise their kids and are there 24 seven dad. We have too many dads and uh, you know, you never hear dad's day. It's father's day. And the problem is you don't have a really enough fathers on father's day. You have a lot of, sh you know, chime in dads, um, they don't say baby daddy. They, uh, they don't say baby father. They don't say baby mother. They say baby mama. They say baby daddy. And these, these youngsters don't want to break it down and really realize I had it. I had it out with the same situation. I had it out with people on, you know, the Twitter first who, you know, they're all the gurus of the world tw on Twitter and everybody knows everything on Twitter. And they, they, uh, Oh, no, it's supposed to be there. Dad, I'm a, I know I'm a dad. And I go, well, then you're a deadbeat. You're nothing. You're not uh, You're not the father. <laughs> That's a, there's a real difference. And me and Tony Dungy have actually had words as well because, you know, he didn't like my coaching style. And, and I told him, I said, well, you never coached Juco. So you don't, you're talking out your side of your mouth. But that's right. only beef dad. But the prayer thing coming back for the coach that won the Supreme Court, I, I commend that one. Um, you know, right after they did that, right after Roe versus Wade. But 
apparently, you know, it's we're in a we're in a world, man. It's just different right now. I, I don't know how to kind of come uh, attack it. We're 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 in such different uh, landscape than we were when I was younger, and uh, there's no respect at all because the parenting at home is so bad. It's gotten off off kilter. So it's so bad. Um, we allow everything nowadays. We don't coach it. So. Uh, you either coach it or you allow it. I say it every day. We're allowing everything, not only from parents, from coaches. Uh, coaches allow it. That's why you see so many transfer portal kids, so many kids transferring high schools. Um, and you see the administration allowing it. I mean, the principal goes on the kid's side now when he throws an eraser at the teacher. Uh, the teacher can't do anything about it. He'll be, She'll be fired. So it comes back to the parenting we have none. Uh, it's the worst I've ever seen. I, I see it every day in the in the store. I mean, I see how kids talk to their parents. It's like they've been paying mortgage and putting kids through college their whole life. They're 13 years old, telling their mom what they want to eat. I'm like, I wish I could have picked what I wanted to eat. It's just this is the world we're in, man. It's the world we're in, and uh, unfortunately, it is uh, sad times, man, because we won't change it. Everyone thinks criticism. Uh, you know, everyone thinks correction is criticism, and. Uh, I tell him every day, I'm like, dude, correction is not criticism. And, and we're, we're not uh, getting through to these youngsters anymore. And uh, it's a bad, bad time to be in right now. So it's, it's, it's very, really slippery slope. I try to tell people the saddest thing I saw in coaching, and it got even worse when I was broadcasting at ESPN and I'd go learn the stories of all these kids. And to your point, how many fathers weren't in the home? It, it, you know, and you dealt with it. You dealt with it very publicly, you know, at Last Chance You, You know, I, I, when I'm watching Last Chance You, it, it just hit me like, man, you know, I, I you can almost tell a kid that didn't have a father in his life. Could you not? 200 kids I bring in every summer. Um, the last two years out of 200 kids, one kid had both parents in the home. One. So, yes, to your point, you you nailed the you nailed it right on the head. I mean, that's what it is. You can you can literally tell a difference between having a father in your home and a dad in your home, and a dad is like the kid's homeboy. He's not a father, which will discipline him and coach him hard and love him harder. That's what a father does. A dad kisses their butts and whispers sweet nothings to him and tells him this okay and the and the grass is greener on this side and and continues to chase things that aren't there and and that's what a homie does and that's the problem that's what's going on right now with our so-called daddies um they're not fathers they're daddies and we're having a uh, hell of a time raising our youngsters right now and uh it, it's embarrassment man it's really an embarrassment when you see what i see every day and i try to try to talk to them and try to, you know, get into these guys' ears because I can do it. I can go in any neighborhood in America and talk to certain folks. But at the same time, it's like at some point, man, I've done so much for these guys. They just can't get out their own way. A lot of a lot of humans right now just cannot get out of their own way. And uh, at some point, you can't save them all. And you got to come to the realization you can't save them all. You uh, try to save one of them. You can't save them all, though. And that's where we're at right now. We're trying to save them all, and you're seeing what's happening. Everyone's deteriorating in front of our eyes. You miss being on the field? I miss saving kids' lives. I don't know if I miss being on the field. Um, I think that your question kind of probably correlates more to uh, 
helping the kids because on the on the field wise i mean shit any you know x's and o's anybody can use x's and o's it's all about the jimmies and joes saving those kids trying to get those kids where they could not get themselves which is the definition of coaching and uh you know 250 plus division one and 25 in the nfl i just had seven drafted this past draft uh, that's what it's about, getting those kids that leave me and don't get kicked out of a four-year, don't go to jail, don't get killed. That is why I am the way I am, and I can sleep at night knowing that. I don't miss the field aspect because I don't believe um, I could probably make it a day right now coaching just because I'd, I'd get fired day one. And, you know, it is what it is, and that's why I won't do it. And I'm just like, look it, unless something changes and, you know, we get better as a – more accepting um and i can adapt uh you know i can adapt dan i can get you know figure stuff out and become a chameleon and all that but i'll be damned if i adapt and 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 put scabs on my kneecaps from kissing butt i'm not doing it you know what i mean i'm not going to adapt that that hard where i go find these dudes and have to i'm, I'm not going to come down to their level that's what's happening right now at all-time high we need cats to tell them the truth, not not keep whispering sweet nothings to them. We need the truth tell, told to them, and that's that's what they do not like. Truth hurts. Well, I'm gonna go back to Coach Dungey. What what Coach Dungey didn't like your style in terms of swearing, the words you used. I mean, everybody's got their own style. You can't be somebody else. That's the first rule of coaching. Yeah, he didn't like my approach, I guess, my, my cussing and so forth. He, he came out and, and on Twitter and said it. And I said, look, I'll do, I'll do uh, respect, coach. I said, I appreciate you and everything that you've done and everything, but you've never had to coach my kids, and you've never had to coach Juco. So, um, you know, trust me. It's, it's funny when you talk to these – if you go look at certain other coaches that are legendary – the great John Madden just passed away. Um, California Juco coach. A lot of cats don't know that. California Juco guy. He would get in your butt and he'd cuss your butt out. And why isn't Tony or anyone else talking about him? You know, Rex Ryan, the Ryan brothers, get in your butt. Nick Saban. People don't show it. They're not filmed, you know. 3,000 hours, and you only see 16 hours of right. it like mine but was, right? But at the same time, I've been with these guys. I, it's the same or, or worse than me. But I would never throw anyone on the bus. But all these guys from Coach Saban to whoever you name it, all have reached out. JB, man, I just love you being you and doing what we really want to, to do and say what we can't. That is what they tell me all the time because they're so they're such at a political level there at that level. There's got to be, you know, you got to you got to be so tightly knitted and so walk this fine line and walk the rope. And and they just they're like, man, I'm so it's fresh breath of air to see you do what we've always done. And now we we're so handcuffed and stuff. And, and these kids, you're seeing what's happening. You're seeing the result by whispering sweet nothings in these kids ears. Um and look what's happening. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we've had this many mass murderers by 25 and underage kids in, in my lifetime. I mean, I know I, we haven't. Um, I haven't seen it. But 25 and under. And people on Twitter, these adults, need, they're not adults. They're kids that never learn how to grow up and become a man. 
They're 25 and under who were raised by their homies and a mother or a mama. And mothers cannot raise their sons like a dad or a father can. So people don't, I'm not sexist when I say it. I'm not being an ass or anything. I'm just telling you the truth. A young boy needs a man as a father figure to massage him and turn him into a man. Uh, a mother can only take him so far. And uh, we have far too many mothers raising kids, and, and God bless their souls. They're trying. You know, they got two, three, four kids. They're doing two jobs. All this stuff, I, I know about all that. But there still doesn't come. The truth of the matter doesn't change. You cannot raise a boy into a man. You can raise a boy, and guess what he'll be? He'll be a 25-year-old boy, and we see mass shootings every day by these 25-year and younger kids, and it's just uh, it's sickening to watch. And then we get a PR statement by the Bulls or whoever it is. Oh, it's sickening. Well, what do you do beforehand? You haven't done anything, and you're not going to do anything today. And the next shooting is going to occur, God forbid, and you're going to write another one. It's like, when is enough enough? And when do we get the right people on the path? DeMar DeRozan's right there. He's from Compton, all right? I, I've, I've, I've been around him his whole life, his whole family. I know the whole crew. He'll talk, but something gets in front of him. Like, there's always this PR. There's always, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I know he's getting that from the Bulls organization and everything else. And he grew up in it. So, like, I know he'll say something and be that figure, uh, face, but... You know, for whatever reason, man, you just don't see enough of it out here, and uh, and you're seeing it at, at an all-time rate. Not saying they're going to fix it all, but how about we go and talk to the parents? Let's go talk to the parents. And uh, I don't know. It's unfortunate. It's sad. You know, one of, I'm gonna I'm gonna add this to it, and I, I think that when you give someone discipline, I've always thought this: when you give them discipline, you know what you do? You, you give them a purpose. Like, discipline is not necessarily the purpose, but you give them a path towards purpose. And you know the other thing about this, Coach? Suicide among young people is raging. I mean, it is absolutely raging. You know, I say this all the time. Everybody needs direction. I don't give a damn if it's me. Hell, I call the people that are running this show all the time. Like, what do you think? Where should we go? Everybody needs direction. You don't need to just be thrown out there. And when you don't have direction, that leads to depression. That leads to craziness. That leads to thoughts. I, my father used to tell me, hey, man, uh, you're going to do a lot. You're going to do something because you're not going to sit around and think. You're not just idle time will kill you. But I think suicide's a big part of this too, coach, when we don't have anybody giving anybody direction. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a good point. We got, we got the CTE thing now that was never a big Never a thing when we were young. I don't know. Now, all of a sudden, it's a big thing. That's a whole nother discussion. We got mental health, which is a whole nother discussion. Don't even get me started. Your fan base won't like me because I, I, I'm a believer in mental weakness. I don't know if I bought into all the mental health crutches we're using around America. Uh, I just think we're mentally weaker than ever. But to your point, um, you know what it is? Discipline is, is required, and kids actually want it. They won't tell you they want it, right. but they actually need it, and they know they do, but they aren't getting it, right? So what's happening, Dan, these kids are doing what they want to do. And what happens is they can do whatever they want to do 24-7. They can tell the mom what they want to eat. They can tell the teacher what they do and don't want to do. They can walk and do whatever they want to say to police now. They can throw erasers at teachers, whatever happens. What happens is 
when somebody finally smacks them in the mouth, their jaw drops and they're like, wait, this isn't the world I grew up in. And what happens? They become suicidal thoughts. Suicidal tendencies start to come in because they figured I've been lied to my whole life by my mama because she wanted to discipline me or my daddy. And now I'm getting disciplined either in jail or by somebody of a father figure of a coach or somebody that's authoritarian, like my boss, maybe. And what do they do? They go home and say, this ain't what I've been doing. I've been doing my own thing. And now, boom, uh, you see suicide at all time rate. It's just so much to it. You know, last time I checked in mental health, it actually chooses us. I, I never knew you to be able to choose mental health. I didn't know you can wake up and say, you know what? Eh, I don't know my name today. I think it chooses us and we get mental health based on what something has transpired. We don't get to pick mental health. It's funny how you could kill 16 people, go into court and say, oh man, I'm sorry about it. And now I'm, now I'm going to claim mental health, but you, you, you didn't know you weren't mental health, mentally ill when you when you drove 200 miles and, and, and had an AR-15 in your car and came out and shot 15 people. It's like we're crying over spilled milk. And, and uh, like I always say it, man, you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And and we never had that in the, back in the day. There was no scapegoat of mental health. There was no scapegoat of of this and that and mental. Let me get out of this uh, and save my life from killing 16 people. Like, now, nah, you know what you're doing. And we have so many excuses now because we allow so much in society, not only in the household, but everywhere else that now it's just, it's just become a, uh, it's just become a free for all man. And, and, and we have so many things going on. We've never been this divided. I don't care. I, I don't care about if you're black, white, red, blue, left, right. We've never been this divided. Um, in my life, 46 years, we've never been this divided or, or, uh, or, or been this close to, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the unknown. I don't know what's next because it's, it's scary. Yeah, damn near close to a civil war in some in some areas. You know what? I want to I want to get back to one thing. When you coached kids and you swore and you did, you know, uh, and it's exactly how I coached. I was a freaking maniac. Um, but how many kids do you hear from a week? that are now like, hey, man, like your book, right? Hate me now, love me later. It's exactly what I used to tell my players. You're going to hate my ass, but two things are going to happen. One, you're going to love me, and two, you're going to have great stories of playing for me because they all laugh, right, now. Hey, remember you called me, you know? Yeah. How many kids you yeah. hear from a week? Oh, shoot. I've had about six of my former players on my show in the last two weeks. Um <clears throat> So, you know, the thing about it, Dan, this is the thing. This is my, this may answer a question even better. Show me a kid that's came out on social media and bashed me. And I'll, and it'll, it'll be the first one I see. I ain't never seen it. 250 division one, 25 plus in the NFL, eight, one Super Bowls. I've yet to see one kid come out and bash me. I've yet to see one coach come out and bash me. Except unless I fired them or cut one of the kids, maybe they were a shitbird, and you know how that goes. So I, I'm just saying, I've yet to see anybody, and that's that's just how funny it is that we're grown people, grown folks out here that can make assumptions of someone's life that they don't ever have met, they've never met them, or ne don't know anything about them. They watch eight hours of a show or eight, 16 hours, and and they can assume they know you, which is funny to me. Um, 
It's like stay in your lane, go help somebody else out. Instead of get off the couch and stop eating your 6,000 donuts a day. And how about you go help someone? And that's what I do miss about coaching because I think I am missing an opportunity to help these youngsters out who need it in a bad way. I, I get hit up every day by the masses on coach. Why are you in coaching? What you need to be coaching. It, it, it's, I wish it worked that way. You know, I mean, Netflix may have blackballed me in a way that I don't know. They depicted me in a manner that, you know, uh, administrators of, 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 it's funny though. This is how I equate it, uh, Dan. I coached 20 years. I've had three coaches of the years. I've won multiple championships. I've sent more kids to college than any coach in America to the NFL, etc. All of a sudden now I can't coach because Netflix, I was on a show, by the way, we won it all in one year of it. Uh, I was on a show and now I can't coach. It's crazy how that works, right? See, that's that's the that's the uh, perception is reality thing we live in, and you know these administrators see all these different things and then they they're scared as hell to to try to to talk to you. It's like, well, because look what the look at this aura we're in or this this bubble we're in. We're in this bubble that is basically allowing everything. We're soft um, it's beyond belief. I mean, we got we got guys you know, racing women and swimming. I mean, we've had so many things go on. It's like, it's unbelievable. I wish, I, I'd be damned if I let a, a, a man beat my daughter in swimming every day after she busted her butt all, year, all her life. But we're, we're okay with it. We're allowing it all. So we're now in, a, in an area where administrators now are not going to hire certain folks because of the whole dynamic that the world lives in, in this bubble. And uh, I don't know. That's just my take, man. We're, 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 we're so, we're so worried. About, we're walking on eggshells, man, in every aspect, as far as uh, the hiring and the firing parties. And it's unfortunate. When you, when you look at coaching today, do you respect it? Uh, hell no. Uh, let me, let me, let me go back. The COVID era, I think, was had to be the hardest era ever to coach in. So I respect them that they went through that because I know a lot, a lot of my buddies still coach. A lot of my buddies are coaches and to coach during the COVID had to be the most, I don't know, teeth pulling coaching jobs I've ever, I've, I've ever seen. And I've talked to a lot of coaches during the period and I'm just like, wow, they're like coaches pulling teeth, getting the kids here. It's pulling teeth, getting the kids in class on zoom. Da -da -da -da. Recruiting, everything. So I respect the fact that they went through the COVID and still tried to get things done. Um, I don't know if I respect the, that they make so much money now and the kids are leaving them at an all-time high. Um, it really blows my mind because there's no way in the world I'm going to make $10 million a year and ever lose one kid. I've never lost one kid ever. I don't care what it is. That is the one thing that's intriguing to go back to coaching because I want to test the waters and see if I can still keep a kid um, from ever leaving me. I've never had a kid leave me ever. Never go left my program to go to another one. Um, I would love to test that waters. Now, NILs out there, all these different things are out there. <clears throat> um, it's a different world. It's NFL. And, and like how Lane Kiffin and Sark have both told me, it's free agency without a return is what college football is right now. And 
it's it's going to implode. I said it three years ago on my show. The NI, the, uh, the the transfer portal and the NIL is going to implode and make football what it is. I mean, you know, you're going to have four conferences. We've been saying this for years. You're going to have the Big South, the Big East, the Big North, and the Big West, and whatever they call those four conferences. You're going to have those, and it's starting to form right now in front of our eyes. And uh, you know, you got four other Pac-12 teams: Arizona, Arizona State. Washington and Oregon talking to the Big 12 today from what a buddy, a couple of buddies of mine told me. So they're talking to the Big 12 now. So you're going to get something coming out West. And I believe the Big 12 and the Pac-12 will end up clicking together. They'll become one conference. You're going to have the Big 10 East to West now running the whole corridor. They're going to become the Big North or whatever you want to call them. And then you're going to have Clemson and Florida State get into the SEC. The SEC is going to get rid of Vanderbilt probably get rid of Kentucky, probably get rid of Tennessee if they can't win. And you're going to get those powers in that deal. Now that Texas and Oklahoma is coming in and you're going to have the big South and then you're going to have the big East, which will be whoever uh, on the East coast that you're going to get the Miami, maybe in Florida or if Florida stays in the South, who knows, but you're going to get the big East. And then that's the four teams. And now everyone else is going to suffer not only money wise, but they're going to become one big old huge conglomerate of, of group of five schools or the, what we, what we like to call the Mac. They're going to become the damn Mac. And that's what everyone in the middle of this world country is going to be. It's going to be the Mac and you're going to have the two lanes and the Tulsa's and the UCF's and everybody that's going to be in the Mac conference and everybody else is going to get the big money, big fish, eat little fish, man. And, uh, Football is becoming uh, uh, the biggest business. It's professional football. It's been that way. When coaches start making millions of dollars, it's professional football. And uh, and now the kids have uh, are making more than some NFL quarterbacks, and that's that's a problem. There 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 has to be a hierarchy in football in this profession. There has to be a hierarchy, and there's no hierarchy now. If the kid makes more than you, he can tell Nick Saban to go screw himself. I mean, that's really where we're at. Think about that. Coach, uh, slap dick whiskey and cigars, best-selling author. I, I want to do this again. I got to run here. Show's over at 11. But, man, that's the fastest half hour I've had, brother. And I appreciate hey, you. I want to do it again down the road. Appreciate you. Anytime, brother. Let me know. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. There you go. Yes, that's sir. Coach Jason Brown. Give him a follow at the real coach underscore JB. Make sure you get the slap dick whiskey. I had a friend of mine tell me that cigars are great as well. Best-selling author. Hate me now. Love me later. That was a hell of a half hour, man. That was great. And I appreciate coach uh, coming on the show. He came on at a moment's notice. See, I love that stuff, man. I love when dudes talk real. I'm tired of all this nonsense. We dance around and we're scared to say, screw that. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Appreciate everybody, particularly appreciate Coach Ryan and Dylan, uh, Davey, and everyone. Thank you. We will see you tomorrow. That was one hell of a show. Tell your friends. Dockage out.